This is Project Keto, Season 3, Episode 3. I'm your host, Madeline Hewitt, and today we are talking about three ways to make veggies taste great. Season 3 is all about cooking. We're not delving very deep into science or why you should be doing keto or who keto is for or what results you should be getting. And if you're looking for all of that information, just go back to season one and start there. Season one is a perfect place to begin for anybody who's new to keto or you've been doing keto but it's not really working for you or you're starting to plateau and you're looking for ways to vary things up. Season three is for people who have been doing keto but are ready to learn more about cooking or need recipe ideas or want to learn some new tips for the kitchen. So today we're talking all about vegetables and vegetables are my favorite. I love vegetables so much so this is going to be really fun for me. And let's just jump right into our three ways to make your veggies taste great. Number one, you need to cook them with fat or put fat on them once they're cooked. One of the biggest mistakes people make in cooking is not using enough fat. You might already be an expert at this because you've been doing the keto diet and you know the importance of fat, but maybe you're still cooking meals like this. Steamed broccoli and you've got a whole plate of it with like a teaspoon of butter on that and it doesn't even touch all the pieces of the broccoli And then the broccoli tastes really bland and dry, and it's just not very appealing. So if that's you, it's time to start upping the fats. I'm not going to be telling you exact quantities or measurements because I want you to start to learn to cook um, by looking and feeling and tasting your food and not just by following recipes. If you get into a trap where you have to follow a recipe to be able to cook something, you're never going to be a very good cook and you're never really going to have a lot of fun with cooking because I just have to say recipes for cooking, not baking, but for cooking, they're never really actually exactly true. Your food is always different. Different vegetables or different meats will carry different amounts of moisture. Seasonings taste different on different times of years or however long you've had them. Your taste changes. And so it's always important that you just understand the underlying basic concepts of cooking and be able to taste your food and see and touch and feel what it's supposed to be like. And then you become really good in the kitchen. So back to this first step to make your veggies taste great, fat. So for some examples, maybe you're going to saute some some vegetables on the stove in a big saute pan. Like let's just use cilantro, mushrooms, and snap peas as an example. And you've got all those veggies ready. We'll put in a whole bunch of oil in the pan. And if you're going to saute something like cilantro, mushrooms, and snap peas, maybe you would use something like ghee or butter or coconut oil for sautéing. And it really depends on how much you're going to be making. If it's just one serving for you only, maybe you just use a small amount of oil. If you're going to be making a huge pan that's like overwhelming over the top big, you're going to use a lot of oil. But I always suggest that you actually err on the the side of a little bit less oil than you think because the worst thing is when you're your vegetables are overly greasy and they're just completely drenched in oil and then it becomes unappetizing and you kind of wrecked it. 
So maybe you put a couple spoonfuls, a couple tablespoons of oil in the pan, heat that up, and then put in your veggies and start them sauteing. And if you start to see them drying out or the pan looks dry or the veggies are not coated in oil, only some of them are and the other ones are pretty dry, then you can just add a little bit more oil as you go in really small quantities until it's looking like you have the right amount. Now, if you're making something like steamed veggies, like I said at the beginning, some steamed broccoli, maybe some steamed cauliflower rice or something like that, then you could add oil once they're done. So maybe you put on a whole bunch of butter and let that melt and mix it around, or maybe you're drizzling on an oil like olive oil or avocado oil, something that you would not be cooking with at a high heat, and you drizzle that on once it's done. And you just put on enough that when you taste it, you think it tastes really, really good. Not where you taste it and you think, oh, well, those are my veggies and they taste a little bland and boring. That's a sign that you're not really there with the cooking yet. So upping the fats, super important for making your vegetables taste great, but also important for just getting you into ketosis and making you feel satisfied from your meals. The second way to make veggies taste great is to really work with the salt and the seasonings. If you go back to a long time ago, one of the very first episodes called Keto Bite Salt. So in the first season, there was these little mini episodes in between each big normal episode. And those mini episodes were called Keto Bites, like B-I-T-E. And there was one all about salt. Go back to that episode and listen to that if you're not familiar with the kind of salt that I recommend for maximizing ketosis and just being a healthy, lean, happy, energized, non-puffy person. And if you don't know where to find that episode, whatever app you're on, you can just either scroll back and back and back until you see it says Keto Bite Salt or go to projectketopodcast.com and search salt in the search bar, and it will show you a bunch of episodes where I mentioned salt, but I'm sure one of the first ones to pop up will be that Keto Bite Dash Salt. And it's pretty short. I think it's about 15 minutes, and you can just listen there. But so many people undersalt their food, and when you're doing a keto diet, or even any kind of clean diet like paleo or something where you're really eating clean foods and you're not eating processed foods, oftentimes you can end up feeling very low energy or get what they call the keto flu when you switch because you're eating way less salt than you're used to. Packaged foods and processed foods have a huge amount of salt in them. And of course, it is the bad kind of salt. But when your body is used to that and then suddenly you're only eating real food, you feel like you're in a deficit of these minerals. So you'd want to get a really good, healthy, clean, true Himalayan crystal salt. And I always recommend the brand The Original Himalayan Salt. I love that brand and I think that it's amazing. And I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode at projectketopodcast.com. And that kind of salt is going to help to bring minerals and bring hydration and water inside of your cell and get you truly and fully hydrated. 
but it also just makes your food taste great, which is what this season is all about, making food, making recipes taste great. And you should just put on as much of that salt as you want until you find that your meal tastes great for you. Same thing with seasonings. If you're not using any spices or seasonings at all, Maybe you like that, but most people find that to be bland or boring. So start to get good at using different spices and using seasonings on your vegetables. And there's two ways of doing it. You could just sprinkle herbs or spices on your food once it's cooked and it's sitting on your plate. So for an example, let's say you steamed that broccoli in the on the stove in a big pot and then you drained off the water added a whole bunch of butter and salt and now it's on your plate you could take a jar of italian seasoning or whatever you want sprinkle it on top and just eat that and for a lot of people that tastes great and you'll really like that and it really amps up the quality of your meal but for other people especially people who are kind of fancy or are foodies or like things to be a little bit more precise or just i don't know fancier is the best word you might find that when you do that it feels weird like some of your bites are really overly seasoned and other bites are bland or it might just feel like the broccoli and the spices are separated and they're just mixed together by chewing. If you know what I'm talking about, then you would want to start to use the skill of blooming your spices, which sounds really fancy, but it's actually one of the easiest ways to ramp up your cooking skills without really having to learn anything excessively fancy. So if you're going to do that, you would need to put the seasonings in the oil first. So putting spices or herbs in oil before the vegetables is called blooming. So for an example, let's go back to that idea of making sautéed cilantro, mushrooms, and snap peas in coconut oil. If you wanted to do blooming, you would first heat the coconut oil in the sauté pan and then chop up your cilantro because that's the spice or the herb, the herb you're going to use, chop up your cilantro, put the cilantro in the oil first and then move it around a little bit with a fork or some kind of spoon so that it's coated in the oil and you should see that the cilantro begins to shrivel or it begins to cook or change shape and you can also really smell it. It's very aromatic and just as soon as that starts to happen then you can add your other vegetables into the pan and continue the saute process. So it only takes a couple of seconds. You could do the same thing if you wanted to add even more spices to that dish. You would put the cilantro in and then maybe you also put in some spices from a jar like some crushed red pepper could go in there maybe some dried garlic or even fresh garlic could go in there um, what else mint leaves or if you're using some other jarred spices like Italian seasoning or Indian spices any of those jar spices or fresh herbs or things like onions and garlic would go in the pan first just until you start to smell it and see the spices changing shape or kind of bouncing around or sizzling in there, then you add your veggies. So that's a way to get the oil completely saturated with the taste of those herbs and spices. Then when you put in the vegetables, the oil coats everything and it just makes this amazing, um, aromatic, delicious flavor for all of the whole dish. It also just changes the spices and opens them up in a way where you can taste them a little bit deeper. 
The third way to make your veggies taste great is to make sure that you don't over or undercook them. Most people prefer their vegetables just a touch undercooked. Not everybody, but most people really like vegetables to be just slightly, slightly on the crunchier side, just barely. Not, I'm not talking about like bright green hard broccoli that's not even cooked. Most people wouldn't like that. But if you ever think about you've gone to like a party or a potluck and somebody brings this green bean hot dish and the green beans are like brown or gray and they're completely mushy, that's way overcooked and that's terrible and I don't know if anybody actually likes that. Maybe you you eat that because you think that you should or you think that that's what vegetables are supposed to be, but they are not. Your vegetables are going to taste best when they're just perfectly cooked or slightly underdone. So for an example, if you're going to steam up that pot of broccoli again, you know that it's done when the broccoli is still pretty bright green, but you take a fork, press the fork into the broccoli, and it should easily go in, but it shouldn't be very effortful where you have to shove the fork or push hard through a like a thick layer. But also if it just smashes and the piece of broccoli just sort of disintegrates, you know it's too long. And I'll be putting up some videos on Instagram for you to see um, examples of vegetables that are done. So I'll show you what it looks like, kind of how long it takes, and that's going to be super helpful for you. And if you're not already on Instagram, get on there even so you can just see these videos. And you would look up Project Keto Podcast, all one word, and hit follow and start watching some of those videos or photos and read through um, everything that I have to say about cooking for this season. And it's just going to really enhance what you're learning in these podcast audios. It's hard to teach cooking through an audio format only. For something like roasted vegetables in the oven, it's kind of the same thing. If you press your fork in, it should easily go in but not disintegrate the vegetable but also not be really effortful to push in. For any any kind of vegetables, you can just taste them along the way. Pop one out of the pan, cool it off for a second, eat it, and if it tastes amazing, it's ready. If it tastes really hard or um, crunchy, maybe it's not quite done yet. And then if it just tastes terrible, it's likely that you probably overcooked at that time. And now you know. So those are our three ways to make veggies taste great. Number one, use fat. Number two, use salt and seasonings. And number three, don't over or undercook them. And before we wrap up today, I want to talk about some different cooking styles. If you're in a rut with cooking vegetables, write this list down, and this is going to help you to just remember that there's different ways to make veggies. You could saute, roast, steam, eat them raw, grill them, or you could even puree them and make soup, like pureed cooked soup. So a lot of people have never heard of this pureed soup idea. It's one of my absolute favorites, and it's super easy. My favorite pureed soup recipe is to use broccoli, onion, any kind of onion, but I usually choose a yellow or a white one, and summer squash. Those are those yellow ones that look like zucchinis, but they're yellow. And it's so easy. You don't even need to know measurements. You can kind of decide the proportions of those three vegetables, but here's what you do cut up the broccoli 
and that's it. So you just cut it up into some pieces that you're going to be able to steam it. The smaller you cut it, the faster it'll cook. Cut up the broccoli, cut up the onion, and cut up the yellow um, summer squash. And you probably wouldn't use an entire onion unless you are using a humongous amount of broccoli and summer squash, but you're going to actually decide the proportion of the onion. Put all of that into a big pot or a small one, however big you need, and put in, I would say, three or four inches of water, just some clean water in there. Put the lid on, turn it on high, and get it boiling. So you're essentially, you're boiling or steaming these vegetables. It doesn't need to be covered. So it's not necessary to cover the veggies over the top. You would have it probably about halfway up the pan with water. Once your vegetables are cooked through, like what I had explained to you before, you can press the fork in easily and they're cooked through, then put all of the veggies into a Vitamix or a blender of some sort, or you could use one of those, I always forget what they're called, but they're like a handheld blending device that you just put right into the pan. And then I would suggest adding some of the hot water. Don't drain the water off or throw it out. That water is like gold. It's holding a lot of the minerals and the flavor from those vegetables and you're going to use that in this pureed soup. So put in maybe half or even less than half of the water into your Vitamix or blender and add salt, however much salt you think you're going to need, and then blend that all up until it's completely pureed. Now, this is an audio format, so again, I can't really show you, but I'll put it on Instagram soon so you can see, but you should see that it's a texture that you would like. So that is an extremely broad thing to say. I know some people who like theirs to be very thick and it's almost like baby food. I don't happen to like that. Other people's, people like theirs very, very, very liquidy and watery. To me, that's a little bit bland. I like it somewhere in between where I have to use a spoon to eat it, but it's not super, super thick. And then if you find that it is too thick, that's actually good because you could slowly add more of that hot boiling water from the pan until you get the exact consistency you like. Make sure that you have enough salt in there that it tastes great. Then you pour that into a bowl to eat, and here's the key for making it taste even more amazing. It is to add some olive oil or avocado oil. Drizzle it on top and then stir it into your dish and it just really pops the flavor and makes it taste rich and amazing. I know some people also like to add spices or cayenne pepper. Cayenne is my favorite to add to the soup. Just a little sprinkle and it adds that touch of heat. I don't recommend blending in the oils and it's because it just it adds a really weird texture. It makes it very foamy and just kind of strange to like whip or blend oil like that or emulsify it. It's just odd. Just add your oil in your own dish or everybody at the table will add their own and then you can really add however much you want. So that's just one idea for making a pureed soup. It's so simple. You can do this with literally any vegetables that you want. If you are doing a lot of carbs, it's so delicious to make a sweet potato version with just sweet potatoes, water, and then you can add some cinnamon or pumpkin pie spice and salt at the end, and it's so good. But that would probably not be something you eat on a daily basis if you're really doing keto.
Now some other ideas. I'm just going to throw out like rapid fire ideas. So you might have to go back and re-listen to this segment. But other examples or ideas of vegetables that you can make that are a little bit more creative than what you might already be doing. You could roast onions, cauliflower, and kale in coconut oil in the oven. You could make grilled asparagus and bell peppers with coconut oil and spices on the grill. You could make shredded Brussels sprouts um, in some kind of oil, like in ghee on the stove. You could saute those shredded Brussels sprouts with ghee and maybe even add in some fennel seeds and some crushed red pepper. You could make cauliflower rice. You could steam that and then um, stir in a whole bunch of butter. Or you could saute your cauliflower rice in butter or baking grease. You could make roasted spaghetti squash in the oven and add butter with fresh rosemary and sun-dried tomatoes, pine nuts, and olives. You could saute mushrooms in baking grease. That tastes amazing and add that to a different dish. There's just so many ideas and the list goes on and on and on. Now, if you need any inspiration, I'm going to remind you one more time just to click follow on the Project Keto Podcast Instagram and just scroll back and back and back. I have so many ideas for meat and veggies and fat and desserts and different kinds of treats for you on there. And speaking of desserts, I've been getting so many requests from people for keto desserts, and we're definitely going to be talking about that later this season. Now let's switch gears for a moment and talk about this week's listener question of the week. And remember, if you want to submit a question, just send me a message on Instagram or comment on any of my photos what your question is, and I will be sure to answer it on the podcast either this season or sometime in the future. But this week's question is about baking grease. I've had multiple people actually ask me questions like, how do you get baking grease? How long can you store it? What do you use it for? So let's go through all of that. I cook quite a bit of bacon on a weekly basis, and all I do is cook the bacon in a pan like normal, eat the bacon, and then what's left in the pan is a lot of grease. And then I just simply save it. I either use it right then to cook some vegetables, or most likely I pour it into a jar or a glass storage container, and I save it for cooking later on. And it's that simple. It's not anything tricky. You don't have to use any tools, any fancy tricks. It's so easy. Now someone's asked me, how long does bacon grease last? And honestly, I don't really know because I always use it up so quickly. But if I know I'm not going to use it for a while, like if I'm going to be out of town or I'm just not really into using it that time, then I place it in the freezer and I just store it in there. And I think it can last a really, really long time in the freezer. I don't know how long, but I mean, probably well over a year. And then it's really easy to just pop it out of the freezer and use it right then because when you freeze fat, it doesn't really ever get rock hard. You can still put a fork or a spoon or a knife in there and get it out, especially if you have it just in a large glass storage container in your freezer. You could just pop some out and use it right then, and it's so easy. And then what do you use it for? I mainly use it for cooking vegetables, for sauteing them, or using them on or cooking them on the grill or roasting them in the oven. Any time that you cook with high heat, you need to make sure you use a fat that works well with high heat that's not going to get damaged. So some examples would be animal fats like bacon grease, coconut oil, butter or ghee. I would not 
ever recommend that you use olive oil or avocado oil for high heat. So all those high heat cooking processes go well with bacon grease. I also will use it in my meat. Sometimes when I'm making burgers or any other kind of ground meat, I will use bacon grease and it just enhances the flavor and adds an element of just amazing taste and deliciousness. So that's all I really have to say about the bacon grease. (laughs) Actually, I have one more kind of funny thing to say. I am not an expert on this, but you can actually use bacon grease to make candles. And that's something my boyfriend has been doing. He's been making us candles with the bacon grease. And honestly, I don't really like them because they really do smell like bacon. But what they're great for is making citronella candles that are going to go outside for the mosquitoes in the summertime. And then you don't really smell it as strong because it's outside or it just kind of blends in with the smells of nature. Um, Not ideal for like a nice romantic candle in, you know, the living room or the bath. It's just a little weird to have that smell. But it really does work well and it's a great way to use more parts of the animal and not waste anything. So that's all for today. The best way that you can support this show is to rate and review it wherever you're listening and share this with a friend. Take a screenshot on your phone right now of you um, listening to this episode and then share it on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you are on social media and tag me, either Madeline Rosie Hewitt or tag Project Keto Podcast and I would love to to see you listening. Thank you so much and I'll talk to you in a week.